Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, the only healthcare marketing podcast that digs into the digital strategies and tactics that help you accelerate growth. Each week, Cardinals experts explore innovative ways to build your digital presence and attract more patients. Buckle up for another episode of Ignite. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Ignite. We are in for a treat here because we aren't just going to talk about performance marketing like we always do, at least not in the same way. Something I want to reorient the world of healthcare marketing to is performance marketing requires education. It requires a longer sales cycle because your patient gets educated over time, even though she may make the decision in a day. We've got Kevin Dugan here from Brightview. And Kevin, I want you to give a quick intro, give a 30 second on who you are, what Brightview is and what your view is there. And then we're going to dive into some specific stuff. Awesome. That's great. Thanks for having me, by the way. And Brightview, we've actually been offering our addiction treatment program since 2015. We have grown to just over 100 locations, counting leases that aren't open yet in seven states. And our focus is on outpatient. We're completely outpatient. We use medication for addiction treatment, so MAT. And it's part of a comprehensive program for us that involves obviously medical, and then it, it gets into psychological as well as social we have case managers that are kind of our unsung heroes. You know, I think addicts, once you've taken that medication to begin the recovery process, you start to realize how much it's impacting your life. And that's where they kind of come in and help. My background is fairly interesting in the sense that I've been doing this for, I'm just going to say multiple decades. And, but it's been in, in business to business, client side, agency side, quite a bit. You know, I've worked on startups, blue chip. I've always been interested in technology which has helped with influence the type of clients I used to work on, but also marketing as a whole. And, you know, I started blogging in like 2002. Before it was cool. They were angst-ridden teen journals at the time. People thought I was uh, recording my deepest thoughts. Anyway, um, that, you know, and that evolved into social media, which evolved into content marketing, which has led me to today. But, you know, I was really excited to make the switch. I, I, like many people, most people, if not all, everybody's been affected by addiction. I'm no different. So the ability to shift and do something new and apply what I've learned and learn something new and help in a, in a cause that I truly believe in has been just wonderful. I've been at Brightview for a year and I'm on a team of 10 and I lead the content team. I am director of content marketing. I often find in the addiction space that there's a lot of very mission-driven people. It's cool. I enjoy chatting with people in the space because we've all, we've all been through it. So very cool, Kevin. And Content marketing, man, it's like what you said. It's like it used to mean blogs, then it used to mean social media. Now everything is content marketing. Right. Like, what is it? We know why you're passionate about it. What is it about content marketing that you think helps Brightview? It's funny, your, your point about how it's evolved. I was even involved in it when it was still called custom publishing, right? Magazines, but how it helps Brightview in many ways. It helps us with our referral partners and getting in, you know, uh, involved in our community and becoming members of the community and the locations that we're in. Ah. It uh, helps from an industry perspective. As, as you well know, behavioral health is not as far along as other areas of healthcare, right? So it helps us kind of show that we are taking a very credible and proven path. I think that helps within the industry and outside of the industry. But with our patients, I realized in addition to helping them find us, you know, when I first got here a year ago, I started to realize there's not as much, once we get them in the funnel, there's not as much content or there wasn't as much content further down as far as 
uh, loyalty and whatnot. And I could talk about that, how I got into focusing on that a little bit, but yep. it's helped us quite a bit, you know, from finding us, building our credibility to keeping our patients. Yeah. And loyalty is different in addiction because you don't want them coming back for war, but you do want them referring friends. So loyalty can mean different. <laughs> it's different. Exactly. Well, we said progress, not perfection. So unfortunately, yeah. you know, people do, you know, return to use and then come back, but we're always happy to see them. Yeah. And on, honestly, I've been doing quite a bit of interviews since joining. And I finally decided yesterday, I'm like, you know, our, one of our points of difference consistently in all our patient interviews is that Brightview treats our patients like people. You know, we see them. And I, I said, you know, it's great to have a point of difference, but it's unfortunate. There's such stigma at so many different layers and levels and, and, and angles. It's just unfortunate that that becomes a point of difference. Yeah, it's weird. You would think that's like permission to play stuff, treat them like people. But where do you think that comes from? Brightview's hiring better, the culture's better, core values better than others. And I would say probably less money hungry than some of these addiction treatment groups that I talk. You know, well, one thing I think we believe is there's going to be both top and bottom in any space, right? In any in any industry, you know, you've got folks that are doing it one way, others yep. in a not so great way. So I think part of that is just due to the fact that our industry is not as evolved as, as traditional healthcare. Uh -huh. I think that's part of the issue. I think that it's getting better now. Unfortunately, uh, as much as I can trade COVID back in a second, the shift on mental health and how mental health has become more acceptable is really helping us. I think part of it's definitely hiring and, and onboarding for sure. And it gets back to the mission, right? When you have people that understand addiction is a disease, that makes a huge difference. They're not going to look down on you. They understand that yeah. this is a fight. Yeah. And they're there to actually treat you because they've been through it or their mom or their sister. All right. So your job's content marketing. I know how it always starts. Anytime we're looking at content marketing, you don't just start writing, filming, creating, posting, right? Basically, where do you advise content marketers to start? I would say that this is where qualitative and quantitative both research come in. You know, one of the things I did is analyzed our blog articles on our site just to kind of see what we had available. And, you know, it became pretty obvious there that we understandably are trying to fill the funnel. So there's yeah. a lot of search content there. And as these things go, I feel like you have to be comfortable with the fact that there is search focused content that was created for machines and there's, you know, human focused content that was created for people. It's the nature of the beast. You know, we still obviously create that as needed, but we've also started to look at the human focus, that content. So after looking at the, the blog, after looking at search data, uh, broader search data, I mean, you know, I typically try to look at search data and social data. Search data tells us the content that people are looking for. And the social data shows us the content that people are sharing. So, you know, I took a look at that. I did a little bit of a competitive audit to see how folks were paying attention to this. And, you know, that was when I, I quickly started to realize, okay, there's definitely a need here for more patient focused once they've started recovery, you know, after day one, when they've, you know, they're, they're, they're in the thick of it, right? So, yeah. They're going on with their lives. They're going on vacation. They're having to deal with the holidays, yeah, right? That's the uh, tough part. Yeah. All that good stuff. Yeah. So qualitative and quantitative, you look at all of the data. I mean, Kevin, this is where it takes lots of experience. Someone right out of school is going to struggle with it because you have to look at all of that and then make your own like determinations based on, hey, it seems like bottom of the funnel or we're not really addressing. It's also, you're not just creating content for the patient. You're probably creating content for the family too, to know how to support them and what are going to be the touchy times and subjects and stuff like that. So um, very interesting. 
patient research. Like, how do you do that? So you see like where the gaps are and then how do you figure out like what these patients care about in these areas? Like, I'm, I'm curious about this. I want to start doing some of this for clients. Like, do you start interviewing? Is it possible to interview patients with HIPAA stuff? I guess if you work there. So HIPAA is always something, you know, our compliance team is definitely quick to remind us, not that we need it, but HIPAA is a big part of that. There's definitely things to remember and consider with that. We start out in shadowing our call center. We have a call center where all of our patients start their their journey with us once they've decided to talk more with us and we'll shadow calls there. We have a lot of folks, uh, we talked about the mission, but a lot of folks that are also in recovery themselves. And, you know, I've spent time, if I've got an idea, for example, perfect example, if you've noticed, paid any attention in your your beer aisle over the past couple of years, it's gone crazy. Real point. The options options are amazing, right? Including alcohol-free. I don't uh, drink, but I do drink alcohol-free. And it used to be, well, you have O'Doul's. And if you're lucky, O'Doul's Amber. <laughs> and one of, is actually running ads and paying for ads for 0.0 now. Much progress. Yes. To, to yeah. Well, and that's, I, I noticed that that was becoming more of a trend and started to realize, okay, well, first, there's a difference between being sober and being in recovery. And a lot of people would, you know, like sober January, I think is, is favorite right, month for that. Right, January. So there's people who are doing it similar to people that choose not to eat gluten that don't have the same issues as folks that are sensitive to it, right? They just decide gluten's bad for me. I'm not going to do that, which is fine. My friends at work were quick to remind me, hey, that's good. I've seen that too. Unfortunately, you don't know if that could be a trigger for somebody. And more importantly, alcohol-free is not literally alcohol-free. So we've uh, eventually turning that into an article saying, you know, hey, you're hearing a lot more about alcohol-free these days, but don't forget, that's not truly what it means, right? So you're going to beware about that stuff. It's not, you know, an, an acceptable opportunity for you. You know, it could potentially lead you back to reuse, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So. so what I'm hearing, like some of the best research you can do, you don't even have to interview patients. You can interview colleagues and people in the business yeah. that have gone through the same thing, whether you're derm, vet root, whatever, and talk about what are the pain points nobody knows about? What are the things you went through that you were too afraid to say or nobody addressed? Yeah. And you create content around that. That's what you sounds like you did. Exactly. Yeah. And and we have been interviewing a lot of patients, telling patient stories uh, because we have Brave TV. It's similar to conceptually the platform is patient point. You know, when you go into your doctor's office, maybe you'll see content that, that comes up. Yeah. Typically health related. You know, when I got there, they said, well, patient points, obviously pretty expensive. And unfortunately, the, the content for addiction and recovery is not as relevant for us. They really don't have that, that content yeah. for us. Their platform's not as relevant. So, uh -huh. um, you know, we're creating our own. We're using the design platform and streaming of video into all of our locations. I mean, when I was doing research around this, we had just started it before I got there. And then I kind of, it was, the reins were handed over to me. I started to find out in the centers that everybody has TV in the lobbies, but deal or no deal. And maybe like, you know, one or two other game shows are the only ones you could probably play and know that there's not going to be something triggering. Keep in mind, the first time somebody enters that lobby, they're in a bad way. There's a very, very delicate window during which they've decided to stop taking drugs and get help. So they're going through withdrawal, right? So anything can be triggering. We have to be very conscious, super conscious of that. So as part of Brave TV, we're trying to show them that there's hope. Other patients have gone before them. Here's been their experiences. That's part of the content. And as a result of that, you know, one example, I, I started to hear many patients, uh, and this was still anecdotally, but many patients started to realize they were making progress because they would look at themselves in the mirror 
they realized in hindsight that they were avoiding looking them at themselves in the mirror. I'm like, it just reinforced the levels and layers of stigma, including self-stigma. So, you know, we created a self-stigma article based on that and are looking at ways to uh, serve that up as well on, on Brightview TV. The evolution to be like video first, print second, we're still kind of in process there. The good news is, you know, as we're creating content, we're literally conducting research in some fashion or another. But we also do text-based surveys. We've done a few of those. You know, we use Calibrator platform to do that, to um, execute that. And then we've done a couple of focus groups too. Yeah, you've done it all. And so you know what they're going through in the types of... Let's talk about the journey that leads them to that clinic where they're going to see the in-clinic educational series. How do they get there? Have they been inpatient? Have they been to AA already? Have they been diagnosed and been been given naltrexone? Like, what's the journey? And then where do you start with your content? I would say that all of those are potentials. And I've been humbled. You know, when I was earlier in my career, I would say, okay, well, search engine, if your content strategy is good and you know what your target audience is and understand what you offer them, search engine should kind of just happen. And then obviously I learned quickly that's not the case. You need to take a lot of special considerations. And then once you've taken them, they change the rules and you have to yeah. take new ones, which is, yeah. which is fine. That's how it works. But I've been impressed though, at this job, even more so than previous, what I've learned is that the patient volume really kind of almost lives and dies on Google. It's one of the reasons why a lot of our spend is, is dedicated to search like other um, providers. You know, I mean, for awareness and attraction, search results, right? Out, outpatient rehab near me. And then we tightly monitor and we're ranking in those markets. And Google has started to make it so that you don't really even have to leave their site, right? Like now with generative AI, if you ask it a question, it won't serve up links that'll answer them. It'll also serve up the answer. So, you know, it's meaning that you really have to be on your game and attentive and spending a significant amount of time with Google. So, that includes Google uh, business profiles. We spend an inordinate amount of time with those, getting patient reviews on Google. You know, 20% of our patient volume is actually driven just by those reviews. No way. So that is an element of, of content marketing that I've always known about. I've spent more on more recently in my life than previous, but now it's, it's definitely, um, like I said, you get comfortable with knowing that there is a search component and a story component, right? And uh, both are critical, you know? I mean, I compare it to the fact that marketing is art and science now. Like you make something better combining the two. If you over-index on one data say, you'll get the infamous 73 things you need to know about Christmas. You won't believe number 72, right? Um, there's the over-index on the data, the over-index on the art. You're going to have a cat video for an addiction treatment provider, right? It goes totally off reservation, but they thought the cats would be attractive. So you put them together, it's better. Same with search and content. Yeah. And it's like you said, to be really be great at content marketing effective in a business sense, you got to know SEO or at least know what Google's looking for, right? And then yes. hopefully the tips will fall where they should. What I found with the algorithm over time is that it is not easy to game it anymore. Spammy, stupid, chat GPT content that's just pushed out. That stuff doesn't work. Just FYI, everybody create great content, MD reviewed, unique first person authors, and you'll be five for the next few years. At least as long as Google's the main source. We're getting more leads in. I said, how do you hear about this? And it says chat GPT is scary to me. I don't, I, uh, you can't optimize for it. But anyway, so Kevin, so you've created a bunch of content on the website. 
that it borders between SEO friendly and user friendly. And then you hope, like I imagine the majority of your time is then spent on education, trying to differentiate bright few once they land, educate, nurture. That is that is that accurate? Like, hey, the accurate. SEO thing, we got to do the right things, but then you care more about educating than the rest of the Matt groups out there. So you think they'll definitely, right? yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, the folks at the other end of the spectrum with um, Matt, you know, the folks that give, uh, make our job a little bit tougher, are the ones that are just trying to provide meds, check the box, right? You come in, you get your meds, you can leave. We don't need to talk to you. Uh, we're just, you know, moving through the line and talk to a lot of patients. And, and that's, again, that's one of the reasons why just sort of being a person with them is such a response because they're not used to that. I mean, even to the point that in our rural markets, we realize that one of the reasons we start to offer our medication on site is that there's a stigma, even with going, especially in rural areas, going to your, your pharmacist and they might say, well, we don't take those kind of insurance claims, right? Like they don't want to, they don't want to fill it because they think you're a certain person in their store. They want you in their store. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous at different levels. So we offer medication on site. It's one way to get them through their appointment faster, get the meds to them faster. You know, we try to offer very low threshold. So, you know, Medicaid, if, even if you don't have Medicaid, you can come in as long as you're in by a certain hour in the day, you'll leave that day with medication and, and you know, information about your next appointment. As a result of that, though, now we also are trying to make it universal throughout all our centers that we can also provide you with your medication as well. Yeah, very cool. And so the business has like these unique differentiators are very helpful. And then it's your job to like tell the story and get people commit like, hey, choose Brightview over anybody else. Yeah. So it's like you're telling the story of the business differentiator. So important. Any specific like, okay, I mean, creating an on-site video, that's like a big lift. Most teams will say, I don't have time for Brightview's 100 locations. Like, what does your team look like? How do you get all this stuff done? Yeah, it's it's always a challenge. But our team is, is really collaborative. We use technology as well. And how you get it all done is a lot of prioritization. So back in the day, there were annual plans. You know, we basically will organize ourselves, but then, you know, it's a quarterly re, re optimization. I call it optimization versus reorganization, but okay. you know, you're sort of making sure that the business is still moving in a certain direction and we're still supporting that effort. So that's, that's probably above all sort of the North Star. And, you know, then from there, you know, we use monday.com at a, at a, in the weeds level, weekly meetings and teams, you know, it's, it's a little bit of everything. We're high, we're a hybrid team. Um, How many people are on the team? 10 people. 10 people we have content our, team? No, sorry. Marketing as a whole. Okay. So you have an SEO. Three people, three people on the content team, but our designers are helping us create content, right? And we have... Uh, a unique person in our PR manager, he actually worked in TV and worked nationally at National CBS um, in New York, won an Edward R. Murrow Award. So he's our video person. He helps us create. He's a really good storyteller. The other thing we're, we're starting to, to realize, and this is a little bit off topic, but it's, it's more than just telling the patient stories. There's a way for us. I mean, you know, they call the, the lobby the waiting room in, in any doctor's office, and it implies you're waiting for your appointment to start. We saw the fact that there's a way, it sucks being in the lobby, even if you're not in withdrawal, you're waiting to, to get there, get done and get out of there. So we started to realize that our mission is to complement that appointment, right? So we're also looking at things and, and adding prompts like, hey, what do you guys want to talk about in group today? You know, just to get them mentally prepared to go into group and group discussions, for example. But how do we get it all done? You know, we have a person on my team that is a little bit more experienced with social media, right? 
And then we've got somebody who's more uh, clinically an SME. She's actually used to be a counselor and I'm a player manager. So again, I've got resources with graphic designers, PR. We all have a strategy that we're, we're kind of following and changing and evolving. But yeah, uh, a lot of prioritization, a lot of prioritization. Sure. That's cool. SME is important. I want more people to focus on that. Guys, your content needs to be different. Like if it's just chat GPT blog article, like goes everywhere. Now it's not going to rank. It's not going to convince. Exactly. And anybody that spends time reading chat, what they've created in chat GPT, like I'll call it a, a productivity enhancer, right? Like I would call it like, um, it's creating a thick, a thick outline for you. And if you're into editing, that's great. If you're not, you're, you've got even more work ahead of you. So yeah. you're not, you're not cutting and pasting, especially in our world where accuracy is critical HIPAA. You know, there's so many different considerations yeah. that you need to take. It's a great brainstorming tool for sure. Yeah. But, you know, like um, something where it helps you get the things done, but it's not giving you the ability. What is it? It's like, what's the, the, um, fast, cheap or good pit too, right? Like it helps you with the the cheap and the fast, but not the good. No, not so. Good. And it's just like creating an ocean of sameness out there. Like AI yes. is going to take over the world, like just like the internet did. But man, it's a decade away after I've seen. Yeah. And don't put emojis in your LinkedIn post, guys. It's the quickest way to figure out that that's ChatGPT. Gosh, is that really the indicator? Because I've please. actually tried to start using those. Don't use them. <laughs> it's the quickest giveaway. Kevin, this has been good. I want to leave with one more thought from you. 2024, what's the big thing like everyone wants to know, like content-wise, it doesn't have to be innovative or different, but what is the thing that has generated great results? You're going to invest more in time or money. Into- I would say a couple things. One is just the alignment of shared experience and storytelling. You know, in the past, it used to be your SME, you know, there's a this credible expert that comes, that's this stigma, yeah. stereotype and around expertise, right? Well, and journeys. Expertise is, you know, you've lost family members to addiction. You know, you almost died, right? So that alignment really is exciting for me. I will say though that there is AI opportunity with a video, right? Like we're putting some of our videos through tools like Opus just to see how it might pull pieces from that. And But again, even in those instances, it might be a guide versus we can just post it right to social from there. And we're also working with a platform called Scipio AI to help us uh, with potentially getting some influencers making content for us. Influencer relations. How does it help with that? So the the front end of influencer relations, I've done this in the past as well. And we spent an inordinate amount of time using technology to first find a a universe of folks that were relevant to your topic. But Uh, then you just had to spend a lot of time going through their blogs, making sure that their brand aligned with you and, you know, they didn't go off. off so this, this tool will find all the relevant people, analyze their content, spit back an analysis. And like, so it, it, it cuts that time out of it, credit, but still gives you credible. And then we're using it as a platform to, to ultimately handle the relationship and, you know, get the content back and forth to each other as well. So it's almost like, you know, monday.com or Basecamp plus the AI on the front end. So we're, we're hoping that that will help us do more with, with less. And that's some of the tech that we'll be investing in for sure next year to see how that goes. But, you know, even in that instance, we're like, they wanted us to, to talk about it like a year agreement. We said, we'll give you three months, you know, and we'll, we'd like to do a year, but we're not going to like commit to a year. So that's sort of the nature of the beast these days.
Yeah. Guys, you heard it from Kevin. If I could take one more thing away, it's AI is a productivity enhancer, not a replacement for your own thinking or personality. Kevin Dugan, this has been fun. Guys, while that decision on getting care may be made in a minute on search, it's influenced over months. And then it's not just what happens in that moment for the outreach. It's how do you nurture that patient to make sure they continue with their plan of care and they actually get well. You won't just try to get them in the door. You nurture, you educate, not just them and their families. Make sure they never come back, but tell their friends about you. That is the best way to help patients get care. You can. Kevin is fighting the good fight. Thanks for joining us on Ignite. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you. This has been great. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignite. Interested in keeping up with the latest trends in healthcare marketing? Subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review. For more healthcare marketing tips, visit our blog at cardinaldigitalmarketing.com.